0: All right, um, <clears throat> good evening, and thank you, Pastor, for uh, inviting me to come. Um, I've been coughing and... Oh, hang on, I've got to turn this little thing on here. Green light is on. We are Had a good time down at uh, Dads and Lads Camp down in Nara, but I've, I was coughing and spluttering all week. There's something or someone that I'm allergic to. I, I was going to say it's Sydney, but this was Nowra, so... Uh, I think it might be you. <laughs> I'm allergic to someone or something, and um, it's not my wife, because sometimes I'm with her and I'm not sneezing. But, um, <clears throat> um, I don't know. So, if I start, if I start sneezing, the, as I said during the camp, the only people who have to worry is the front two rows, okay? <laughs> if we could just harness the power of the sneeze. But, um, if I'm going to sneeze, I'm going to stand right back, or I'll... Sneeze towards the piano or the pastor or whatever. <clears throat> Psalm 139, please. Psalm 139. <clears throat> Psalm 139. Can I slurp out of that water? Then all right. Thank you. Psalm 139. I want to give you a thought that <clears throat> I've, re- I've reworked some uh, sermons from many, many years ago, decades ago actually, and uh, I've got a great thought here uh, for you from the book of Job. But I want to, I want to, give, you, actually, I want to give you three introductions tonight. <laughs> I'm not a long winded preacher, okay, so don't get worried. Looking at a couple of uh, worried faces there, I want to give you three introductions and then a very short sermon with a a very, very brief, uh, simple application at the end. But don't get too worried, okay? Because my voice most probably uh, won't last last long enough for a long sermon anyway. Psalm 139, verse 14, says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, marvellous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, and curiously roared in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. I want to speak to you tonight on lessons from a big bird. And let's pray. Thank you, dear Lord, for the blessings of the day. It's the Lord's day. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. And thank you, Lord, for... uh, um, the blessings of the past few days, those who were able to go to um, the camp, for those who are here in Sydney, we give you thanks and praise. Dear Lord, I pray now that you'll speak to our hearts, encourage us, as, we, uh, as the song just said, Lord, as we seek your face for the cause of Christ. And we do it all for Jesus. Uh, and we love him because he first loved us. And we pray, believing in his name. Amen. Introduction number one, Psalm 139 basically says this, well it says a lot of things, it talks about God's God's omniscience, God's omnipresence, God's omnipotence, but the verses that we've read tonight tell us one thing, I am wonderfully made, I am wonderfully made, I love verse number 16, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written when in continuance, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. I don't understand all of that but I just know that um, <coughs> we are wonderfully made. Uh, each one of us. Man is the, the crowning achievement of God's creation. And just a little bit of study Will show us or would show you the wonder of human life. Um, You know, in the in the dark ages, if someone had a disease or was very sick, you know what they would do? They would bleed you. (laughs) And you know, you know which occupation did most of the surgery? Butchers. Serious. There was no such thing as anesthetic, of course. There was no hygiene. There was no thought of, uh, or knowledge of uh, germs and disease and so on. And, and the thinking was, if we bled someone, maybe we could bleed all the bad stuff out. And of course, usually people died, because that's not the thing to do. If only people had read the Bible, Leviticus 17, says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. God actually wrote it down. But of course, in those days, most people didn't have a Bible. But the life of the flesh is in the blood. I remember uh, back in 2006, I was very sick uh, with a bout of pneumonia. I've had pneumonia quite a few times in my life. And, and I was in, uh, in Sydney, in uh, 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 what street was it? I think it was, um, I think it was Pitt Street, Sydney. There was a blood clinic in there and they were doing an analysis on my blood to see what was the problem, why I was so sick. And I remember they took a little uh, sample of your blood and put it on a... Uh, in, under the microscope and looking up at a television screen and seeing my blood cells in action. That's pretty cool, seeing them do their thing. And of course um, there's the, 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 the red blood cells which are sort of like snooker, bo- red snooker balls, perfectly round. And there, there's lots of those and what the red blood cells is, they, they take uh, oxygen and, and nutrients and so on uh, to the cells. And then there were white blood cells and the, uh, the white blood cells uh, there's not as many as those, but they're like white blobs, irregular in shape and, uh, and there's not as many of them. But what the white blood cells do is if, uh, if, if there's a bacteria or a, 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 an infection comes into your body, uh, just say uh, Alex here is working out in his shed and he, and he hits his thumb with the hammer and uh, splits his thumb open and then straight away all those germs from around the hammer or whatever, they start uh, coming into his body. And so what happens... The brain, God has wired the brain to send a message to the bone marrow. And the bone marrow is where the, uh, evidently where the white blood cells are, are manufactured. And so they start going into overdrive, like they're on overtime. And, uh, and, and they send out millions and millions of these white blood cells, sort of like the, the cavalry. You know the old John, John Wayne movies when they had the cavalry come in. And the white blood cells, they go rushing to Alex's thumb and they, and they get to those bacteria and those germs and they overwhelm them. Because if they didn't, he'd get an infection and die. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And that's why if you don't have correct white blood cells, you, uh, leukemia and, and these, these blood conditions, it's very, it's very important that you don't get infections. And then there's things called platelets. They're the things that, fellas, when you're having a shave, if you cut yourself, if you didn't have platelets, you'd most probably bleed to death. They're blood clotting agents. And then we have things called antibodies. And and this is simple Simon stuff. Um, I'm sure maybe there's a doctor or two out here and you could uh, elaborate on these things. But we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Incredibly made. And then there's a thing called the DNA. I don't know what it is. But I do know that the DNA stands for deoxyribonucleic acid. Uh, I don't know how to spell it. But that's what it is. And uh, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a scientist at all. But I d- <coughs> a little bit of research will tell you that it's made up of four chemicals. I don't know if, if I'm saying these correctly, but cytosine, guanine, adenine, and thymine. That's it, four chemicals make up the DNA. Scientists tell us that everyone shares, we all share, 99. our, our DNA is the same, as 99%. The DNA is the same with everyone. It's that 1% is different. Obviously, I did not get the, uh, the, the hair gene. Mark Tossel and I must be we must be very close uh-huh. DNA-wise. Uh, very good-looking, of course, and uh, brilliant. And, um, uh, but uh, the hair gene, I don't know what happened to that hair gene. Something happened there. Something went haywire. And uh, <clears throat> I have the dad joke gene. I know that. I don't know where that came from. But um, some of us just have that. No one laughs at my jokes, but I laugh at my own jokes. Someone has estimated that if you were to stretch your DNA out, (coughs) it would reach from the Earth to the Sun and back 600 times. Uh, What I do know is that the DNA is astonishingly complex. Astonishingly complex. And I also know 100% for sure that the DNA could not have happened by chance. Uh, It's not possible. Uh, It's impossible, okay? Absolutely, as in zero. Because something that complex has to be in the exact right order. Because if it's not, then you have deformities and so on. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Introduction number two. Come over to Revelation chapter four. Revelation and chapter four. Verse 11. Revelation 4, 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honour and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Statement number two. Statement number one. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Statement number two, I am created for God's pleasure. Why did God create the universe? Because he wanted to. Why did God create man? We were created by him and for him. We were created for the pleasure of God. Remember those two things, because they're going to make sense. Introduction number three, here we go. Come over to the book of Job, the book of Job in chapter 39 statement number 1 i am fearfully and wonderfully made statement number 2 i am made for god's pleasure introduction number 3 now i love the book of job uh, i think it i think it is my favorite book in the bible and sometimes i will uh, do my devotions i will just read the book of job and then i'll read it again you know over the course of uh, couple of weeks and I'll read it again. I just enjoy reading the book of Job. There's so much, there's pathos in the book of Job. There's, there's uh, humour in the book of Job. Uh, there are some funny things in there. I know it wasn't funny for Job, but some of the things that Job said and some of the things that God said, I can see the humorous side to that. Basically, the book of Job is this way. He was Job, the most righteous man in the world and and Satan came before God, and, and God said, you considered my, my servant Job? And Satan said, yeah, look, he, when everything's going fine, that's all right, but, but you allow some bad things to happen to him and see what happens. And God said, oh, the first time, okay, off you go. You can, you can touch him, do what you want, but don't touch his body. And so catastrophe happened to Job. And Job's, what did Job say? He said, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He passed test number one. And then Satan came to God and said, well, <clears throat> and God said, have you, have you noticed my servant Job? Look at him, what a great man. Satan said, yeah, but, but Lord, if you touch his body, you might have touched his stuff and his family, but you touch his body and see what happens. And so God said, all right, you can touch his body, but you, you're not allowed to kill him. And so he was struck down with whatever it was, boils, painful boils, from the bottom of his feet to the top of his head. And he sat down in the dust and ashes and got a bit of pottery and scraped himself. Just uh, most probably a monster to look at. Completely disfigured. In terrible pain. Everyone left him. His three friends came to visit him. Said they looked at him and they, and they wept and they, just, they didn't say a thing for seven days. They were so shocked at the appearance of this fellow Job. There was Eliphaz, There was Zophar, and as we say, there was Bildad. You know, Bildad was the shortest man in the Bible because he was Bildad the Shuhite. Now, I don't know whether that's true or not, (coughs) but there were the three friends of Job. And I tell you what, those friends, they weren't much good, those friends. They were were useless. They really were. They really were. They just came, and and one of them, you know, (coughs) and Job's wife, she wasn't much help. She said, why don't you just curse God and die? They weren't much help at all. Uh, They kept saying, well, Job, you know, the reason you're in this situation, well, it's your fault. You know, if you hadn't sinned and it's your, they didn't get it. And then Elihu, a younger man, came along and and actually, uh, I don't understand all of what Elihu said, but a lot of what he said makes sense. But finally we get to the last four chapters of the book of Job and God clears all these people out and says, Job, now it's my turn to speak. And you know what Job, you know what God does? God then talks to Job, and he says, Job, you listen up. And he tells a whole bunch of animal stories. Animal stories. And stories about, you know, the universe and the sky and so on. Come to hear to Job 39. And by the way, why did God do that? This is what he was saying. Job, you don't know what's going on. But you don't have to know what's going on. Now, we know, we we have the benefit of hindsight, we have God's written word, and we we know what what was going on, what was transpiring. God gave us this amazing view of what was taking place, even before his work with Job. But Job didn't know any of that. And so God said, Job, sit down, shush, I'm going to teach you some lessons here. And you know what Job learned from that? This is what I think Job learned from that. Job learned from that that he didn't have to know what was, why God was allowing this to happen. He just needed to know that God was an incredible God and that God knew why he was allowing this to happen. And God was just telling Job a little bit about how wonderful and how incredible and how mighty his God was. Look what he says here, Job 39. I'm just going to rush through a few of these. I love some of these animals. Verse nine: Will the unicorn be willing to serve thee or abide by thy crib? Canst thou bind the unicorn with his band in the furrow, or will he harrow the valleys after thee? Wilt thou trust him because his strength is great, or wilt thou leave thy labor to him? Now, oh, sorry, verse twelve: Will thou bring, believe him that he will bring home thy seed and gather it into thy barn? What was this animal? A unicorn. I don't really know, to be honest. Um, there's the mythical creature that, you know, we, we, you read in the fables. I don't think it was that. Some say, was it the rhinoceros? Because the unicorn's mentioned in other parts in the Bible. I don't think it was the rhinoceros, because some of the verses don't fit. <coughs> but maybe some of those verses refer to the rhinoceros. A lot of Bible scholars say it was the auric. The auric. Now, the auric is an extinct cow or extinct breed of cattle but far bigger than the cattle we have today. Now, some of the Frisian cows today, um, some of them can stand six feet high at the shoulder. Some of them are big. But this auric, I think it stood about ten feet high. And it had great big curved horns, and evidently if you looked at it sideways, those horns looked as though it was one horn, like a, a uni, one. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But there was a creature... Uh, and, and it was called the unicorn. And God said, Job, I've got this great creature here. Is he going um, to stay by your bedroom? No, he's not. Will you trust him because his strength is great? No, you won't. Will he bring home seed to your barn? No, he's not. But Job, I, I made this animal. I created this incredible animal. And then come down to um, verse uh, 27. I'm sorry, 20. <clears throat> twenty seven yeah doth the eagle mount up at thy command and make her nest on high she dwelleth and abideth on the rock upon the crag of the rock and the strong place from thence she seeketh the prey and her eyes behold afar off her young ones also suck up blood and where the slain are there is she said so, uh, job did you make the eagle did you command the eagle did you tell it to go up there on the the top of the cliff and make its nest Uh, 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 uh. I did that I did that Job I made the eagle, I created the eagle Um, I gave her this incredible eyesight so she can see a rabbit you know for miles and miles away and go down and get a feed Um, Job you don't have to know what's going on but see all that stuff Job I made those animals I made them for my pleasure. Then he goes on and we look at this animal. This is the animal I want us to focus on for the, me- for the next few minutes and then we'll finish tonight. Verse 13. And there's other animals here. We don't have time to go through all these animals. us thou the goodly wings under the peacocks or wings and feathers under the ostrich? Now, there's quite a lot said here about the ostrich. He said, Job, did you give those beautiful, the goodly, beautiful, Feathers unto the the peacocks? No, I did. Did you give wings and feathers unto the ostrich? Now, the ostrich is the world's largest uh, bird. The ostrich can stand 10 feet tall. That's a big bird. Ostriches have been known to be up to 155 kilograms. That's, what, 330 pounds. That's heavyweight, that's big. Um, they have two toes on each feet. Uh, an ostrich egg is the largest single cell in the world today. The ostrich's brain is as small as a walnut. And the ostrich is one of the few animals whose eyes are bigger than its brain. <coughs> Try and figure that one out. Um, and they've done tests on the ostrich. And they reckon they can see up to three and a half kilometres away. Because their eyes are bigger than their brains. Now, notice what God says. Who gave wings and feathers unto the ostrich? Now, some people would say, well, we've got a problem here. What are wings and feathers for? Anyone? What's wings and feathers for? Flying. Flying. Birds have wings and feathers to fly. But the ostrich has a problem. It cannot fly. And God says, you know, I gave those beautiful feathers to the uh, uh, wings and feathers to the peacock, but peacocks can fly. I've seen them fly. I've also, I've also given wings and feathers unto the ostrich, but the ostrich can't fly. God is very, very clever. You know, I can think of a lot of reasons why God made the ostrich unable to fly. I think God knew that there were going to be planes on planet Earth. (laughs) I mean seagulls are a bad enough problem at Mascot Airport. You imagine having a flock of ostriches at 5,000 feet. (laughs) you imagine that? Victor Charlie Charlie, this is Sydney Tower there's a flock of ostriches at 3,000 feet. (laughs) You're going to die. Yeah, I can think of some other reasons why ostriches don't fly. But I won't tell you all of those. Um, isn't God amazing? There was a, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to remember the story. There's a sceptic out with a Christian out in the paddock somewhere. And they were out there and they, they, saw, uh, they saw all these um, pumpkins. You know, and the pumpkins grow in a tiny little vine like this. And then there was this big oak tree, this huge great oak tree with the little acorns. And the skeptic said, you reckon God made that? He said, if I was God, I would have put the acorns on the little vine and the pumpkins on the big tree. And just then an acorn fell and hit him on the head. <laughs> no, no, God knows exactly what he's doing. God gave wings and feathers unto the ostrich, yet they can't fly. Well, why did God make the ostrich? (coughs) All things were made for his pleasure. And they are fearfully and wonderfully made. Then what else does he say? Look at verse number 14. Which leaveth her eggs in the earth and warmeth them in the dust. So here is the ostrich. They've got wings and feathers. They can't fly. They're most probably the laughing stock of the bird uh, family. I don't know whether birds talk amongst themselves, but uh, in Coffs Harbour, we have, um, we have uh, birds by the thousands. We have the rainbow lorikeets. Do you have rainbow lorikeets around your place? Right, we have them by the thousands. In fact, if you walk in the middle of, down down at the shopping centre in Coffs Harbour, on, right on dusk, you can't hear yourself think, they are so loud, of a morning they wake you up at some unearthly hour. I call them the delinquents of the bird world. They're just there, you know, just to wake you up and to cause you trouble. They are beautiful uh, in their in their appearance. They're magnificent animals, but they come in and uh, and and I can imagine the birds getting together. You know, the rainbow lorikeets and the king parrots and the and and the red-cheeked rosellas and the eastern rosellas and all getting together and (laughs) laughing at the the emu. You know, the cousin of the ostrich. There's emu, big old lump of a bird. Can't fly. <laughs> can't fly. And I can imagine the ostrich or the emu just wow, crying, you know. But here's the ostrich wings and feathers, can't fly. Oh, by the way, I've known some people that have eyes and they can't see. I've known some people with ears but they can't hear, or legs and they can't walk. Why, God allow, why does God allow some people to be born like that? It's like when the disciples went up to Jesus. Remember the man that was born blind? They said, Lord, why was this fellow born blind? Was it his sin or his parents' sin? And Jesus said, no, it's got nothing to do with it. He was born blind so that the works of God might be made manifest. You're going to see something now. Why does God allow people to you know, be born, born blind or deaf? <clears throat> For the glory of God. For the glory of God. Why did God create the ostrich with you know, unable to fly? For his glory. That's not all. She leaves the eggs in the, the, the earth and warms them in the dust. What are birds supposed to do for their eggs? What do they make, boys and girls? They make a nest. Like the eagle makes the nest and sticks it up on the top of the cliff so that no one can go and get to it. But here's the old ostrich, Mrs. Ostrich. She lays her eggs down in the dirt. Not only that, verse 15. She forgetteth that the foot may crush them, or that the wild beast may break them. She forgets, she lays her eggs in the dirt, and then along comes the elephant. <laughs> Omelette. Squash, you know. Or if they don't get squashed by the elephant, along comes the hyena or something and just eats them. <clears throat> um, she's not a very good egg layer. She's not a very good mother. But it goes on, it gets worse. Verse 16, she is hardened against her young ones as though they were not hers. Her labour is in vain without fear. Even if peradventure, and, and, and of course, there's obviously, there's a percentage of those eggs don't get squashed by the elephant or don't get eaten by the hyena. Even when they hatch into little ostrich chicks, it says she's hard, the Bible says she's hardened against her young ones as though they don't belong. You know, she disowns her kids. Tell you what, she's not much of a mother. She's a hopeless mother. You know, we like to identify with eagles, hey? We love looking at the eagle and... and uh you have seen the wedge-tail eagle? I'm not talking about the, the bald eagle from, from America. I'm talking about the wedge-tail eagle. Wingspan, six foot wide. Gigantic. Majestic. Um... <coughs> We like to think we're like the eagles, but you know, if the truth be known, most of us more, more often can identify with the ostrich. <laughs> we look at the high achievers and we say, well, that's an eagle, wouldn't it be good to fly like the high achievers? But uh, if the truth be known, most of us identify with the ostrich, we're not real good, <laughs> maybe we're not real good at being parents, we've been talking about being dads all week, about What makes a Christian dad a good dad? Maybe not a good dad or a good mum. Maybe not that smart. That's fine. Why why was the ostrich, why was the ostrich, why why is she such a bad mother? Verse 17 tells us, because God hath deprived her of wisdom, neither hath he imparted to her understanding. In other words, she's brainless. (laughs) She's Thick, we would say, as thick as two planks together. That's the way God's made her. Why does she drop her eggs in the dirt? Why does she forget them? Why does she disown her own children? Because she hasn't got any brains. She's thick. We would say she's dumb. That's the way God's made her. And I'm I'm glad God put this in here because sometimes I identify with the ostrich. And I think, man, I don't understand. uh, There's a lot of stuff I don't understand. I look at all this stuff that Brother Tossel does. You know, all this. This uh, analytical stuff, I think, no, no, no. He's he's an engineer, university graduate, smart, all the rest of it. And I look at Alex here, he's a, he's a, whatever he is, he does a, he did tell me once, I've forgotten. Genius, you know. And uh, I look at Brother Naranjan and think, ah, he's, you know, I think God left me behind when the brains were, (laughs) <laughs> given out. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Um, I, I did. I did accountancy for about six weeks after I left school. I started doing engineering. Had a really good job. Had a cadetship. I started doing engineering at the uh, Institute of Technology, 1980. And uh, I was sitting up in first year university chemistry. I never even did chemistry at high school. I'm thinking what is this? Didn't last long there. Went and did uh, accountancy for six weeks and I couldn't understand why he needed to have two columns. So that's a waste of paper. To this day, I don't understand accountancy. I really don't. God's deprived her of wisdom. You say, well, what? If that's, that's a really sad end for the ostrich. Ah, we've got to get to the best verse. Look at verse 18. What time... She lifteth up herself on high. She scorneth the horse and his rider. And then God goes on to talk about uh, about the horse and about his terrible strength and his pouring in the valley and so on. But what does he say here? There's one thing the ostrich can do and that's run very, very fast. In fact, she runs so fast that she... uh, She scorns, she pokes fun at the racehorse, slow pokes, snails, tortoises, compared to the ostrich. You know, a racehorse, I think a a racehorse can go very fast, but only for a couple of hundred metres. Now, in the movies, in the John Wayne movies, they go all day, but in reality, they don't. (laughs) If you gallop a horse for, you know, just a minute or two, that's it, you've got to stop or you're going to kill the horse. It's not like the movies, especially when they speed it up, you know. The ostrich can run at 70 kilometres an hour <coughs> for many, many, many minutes. In fact, the ostrich is so fast, it doesn't need the other defence mechanisms, you know, like the uh, the claws or the or the teeth or the ability to fly or to dig holes or to have the shields or the spikes on the back that other animals have. It doesn't need that. It, go, it just goes like the roadrunner, you know, <laughs> off it goes. <laughs> The one thing it can do very, very well is run blindingly fast. And do you know, by the way, it is said that a six-week-old ostrich chick can keep up with their mother. So God allowed the ostrich to be made. They are wonderfully made. They were made for the glory of God, for the pleasure of God. And I'm sure God had an awful lot of fun making planet Earth and all the funny animals there. But God made the ostrich to be able to do one thing very, very well, and that was run fast. What's the application? The sermon's almost finished. I think there is a sneeze coming, but I'll try and hold it off. This is the application. Don't complain about how God made you. Don't complain about how God made you. Don't compare yourself to someone else. You're made for God's glory and for his pleasure, and every single one of us is fearfully and wonderfully made. And to take that application a little bit further, you can't do everything. So you find one thing you can do for the glory of God and do it with your might, as the Bible says. You say, what is that? Well, I'm not here to tell you what you can do for the glory of God. You need to find that out. But find out what it is And do it for the glory of God because you were made for His pleasure. You say, Well, I can't uh, pastor a church like Pastor Hernan. I can't run a corporation like Brother Naranjan. I can't uh, analyze analytics like Brother Tossel. I can't uh, do all the stuff that a lot of people can do. That's fine. There's something you can do to please God. It might be studying, it might be cooking, it might be cleaning. It might be driving, it might be encouraging, it might be texting someone and encouraging them, it might be teaching, it might be preaching, it might be giving. There's a stack of things you can do <clears throat> and maybe only it's, one, it's only one of those things you can do. It might be praying, find what you can do and do it, and do it. Don't use the excuse, Lord, I'm not like that person and I didn't get the gifts that that person gets. It's irrelevant. You find what God wants you to do and do it. I don't think there's any old people here. I can't see any old people here tonight. You're not old, brother. I can't see any old people here tonight. Old people sometimes feel a bit, what's the word? Well, I feel unloved and lonely, I know that. That's why we need to spend time with old people. But sometimes old Christians feel a bit, uh, what's the word, is it washed up? Is that the term? But there's so much that older people can do. Um, my wife's auntie, auntie Doris, she's, um, I think she's about to turn 96. Oh, she's already 96, so she's in her 97th year lives up on the nursing home at, at, at Y.E. Sharp as a tack. Physically, she's you know, quite uh, uh, slow, but mentally sharp as a tack. And Robin was speaking to her last year before her husband died. They were married 72 years, <laughs> Max and Doris. That's pretty good innings. Only Doris knows the Lord, and, and she said to Robin that she spent a fair bit of her life not giving God any time. So, Robin said to her, I think it was late last year, Honey Doris, you know what? You can be a prayer warrior. You may not be able to get outside this room very much. She said, What's that? She said, Get yourself a prayer list. Start writing names down and pray for people. I said, "You, You can be the backbone of ministry by being a prayer warrior. What a thought! What a thought! You can't do everything. And you can't always do what other people do. That's fine. We're all made different, differently. Some of us are eagles. Some of us are unicorns. Some of us are racehorses. Some of us are ostriches. That's fine. God made us for his pleasure and we're all fearfully and wonderfully made. If there's nothing you can think of doing, if you can't think of doing one thing to the glory of God, you can go to Romans 12.1. And apply that to your life. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Not as much as I should, but I try to remember to pray that verse as often as I can remember. Lord, I may not be much, but Lord, here I am. A living sacrifice. You've most probably heard this story. I've most probably told it to you, but I'll tell it you to, to you again. <clears throat> Maybe a hundred or so years ago in this little village in Africa somewhere. And there was a little village church, had a thatch roof, and uh, there was a little uh, gospel work there. And this particular time of the year, it was called Harvest Sunday. And it was just at the start of the harvest. And, and what, what they would do on this particular Sunday was that um, the family, no, no, I don't think anyone was wealthy, but they bring something from the harvest, the first fruits. And they put it down at the front of the church, just a little church with a thatched roof and maybe a bit of corn or a bit of maize or a bit of wheat or a chicken or a pig or something, a bit of fruit. they put it down the front. They'd thank God for the harvest. And then at the end of it, they'd give it to, I don't know, poor people or give it to the pastor. I don't know what happened to it. Well, Of course, in those days, uh, even like in some places in the world still today, of course the women do all the work and the women came in and of course they have the baskets on their heads. I don't know how they do that. but They walk along with the baskets on them, and full of all this stuff and they take the basket and they put it down the front. Right at the end this little girl came down the, down the front of the church, maybe 11, 12 years old. She had a basket on her head and the pastor said, now little girl what are you bringing today? And she said, oh Our crops haven't done real well. They haven't actually got anything to bring. So I'm just bringing myself. She put the basket down and she stood in the basket. That's Romans 12. And maybe someone tonight just needs to come and stand in the basket. Stand in the basket. So here I am, Lord. I present my body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto you. That's my reasonable service. That's the very least we can do for the Saviour that has saved us and given us everything. Are you an eagle? If you're an eagle, thank the Lord. To whom much is given, much will be required. If God has loaded you up with, you know, wonderful talents and all the rest of it, that's fine, and praise the Lord, use it for God, because you'll have to give an answer one day for that. If you're an ostrich, that's fine. That's fine. God makes eagles and he makes ostriches. Find the one thing you can do and do it. Do it well for his glory. Let's pray. Thank you, dear Lord, for your marvellous word. And dear Lord, I just pray that this evening, you may have just touched one heart tonight. And maybe there's just someone tonight. They've been living a selfish life for themselves. That's not why you made us, Lord. That's not why you saved us, to be selfish. You saved us to honour you and to please you with all that we do in life. Touch our hearts with the truths from your word. Thank you for our time in your word. In Jesus' name, amen.